So we're in Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. How many of you have been with this? So if you have been, you know that we've been going through the book of Colossians and there's basically a, a constant theme and that it's that the Christian doesn't live by following the rules, but by following the ruler, right? It's a living, active relationship and it's all about putting, uh, putting off and putting on. It's about taking one step at a time. And we've been going through this and seeing the theme kind of at work in different ways. It's all about putting off the old you and putting on Christ, right? Putting off the filthy rags of our own righteousness and putting on the righteous robes that Jesus paid for with his blood, right? Well, last week, Paul and the Holy Spirit got specific with our family wardrobe. Do you remember? It was the awkward moment when we used the S word. Because Paul basically has gone from being a a tailor in general to being specific to our roles. And he's basically, first thing out of the gate, you know, you open the can of worms and he said, wives, you know what would look good on you? What would look awesome on you is submission. Okay. I was going to say nobody got up running, but, but Chris is running, but I don't think it's for the same reason. <laughs> um, and and some, some ladies shared their, their testimonies and I think it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Um, so if that word freaks you out, don't worry about it. Um, you can listen to the, the tape or the CD, the MP3, and, and hopefully it'll make sense. But he says, basically, wives, you know what would look awesome on you is this. Husbands, you know what would look awesome on you is sacrificial love. Loving your wives and your family uh, to the point of sacrifice. Um, kids, you remember what he said to you? What would look awesome on you? Obedience, Right? And then he said to the dads and really to the parents, um, especially in our culture where sometimes there's not even a dad in the home, he says, you know what would look awesome on you is to be an encourager, an encouragement to your kids rather than putting out uh, the the light that's in them. So those are the things that we talked about last week. Well, today, Paul moves from the family wardrobe to the workplace wardrobe. Y'all, we spend a lot of time, hopefully, at work, right? If, if, um, and, and for some of you, working is in the home. But we spend an awful lot of time doing stuff vocationally. So it's probably really important that we know what God has to say as far as what we're to wear at work. No matter where you work, you want to be wearing the appropriate attire, right? So there's the fireman. The appropriate attire. There's the medical professional, the appropriate attire. Now, in a lot of places, Fridays are different. How many of you have a Friday, a casual Friday? Okay. You see this? Penguins looking at the other penguin. Didn't anyone tell you about casual Fridays? Okay, but the one thing I'm pretty sure it would be weird no matter where you work is this. Yeah. I guess unless you're a pirate. If you're a pirate by profession, then that wouldn't be weird. I thought about this as, as a, I don't know, a gimmick or whatever. We've been talking about how the, how the tailor comes in and he basically says, hey, you know what would look great on you? How many of you remember, I'm dating myself for sure, but how do you remember uh, Billy Crystal? You look marvelous. Remember that? Anybody do it well? I can't do it well. No. Oh, John? John can do it well? <laughs> so can you do it for us, the, the, the line? You know you look marvelous, darling. Hey, that's pretty good. 
So, so Paul, Paul comes to the wives and he says, wow, you know what would look marvelous is submission. What would look marvelous, I can't do it. It just sound awful. <laughs> on, the, on the guys is sacrificial love. And he goes on and on. And now what he says to employees, well, let's read it. Verse 22, he says, bond servants. Now, culturally today, that would be for us employees. Employees, obey in all things your masters, that would be bosses, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. And then in the running for the worst possible chapter break ever, Right? You know the chapter breaks aren't from God, right? Somebody decided, you know what, let's stop right there. <laughs> no, the whole thing that Paul's been doing is he's been pointing out different people and their roles and stuff. And this uh, chapter 4, verse 1 is definitely a continuation of where Paul was going. And he says to the masters, to the bosses, look, give your employees what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master that is a boss in heaven. So we're going to be looking at that today, but first thing, right off the bat, I think we probably need to look at is, well, the first word. In the New King James, it says bondservants. In the King James Version, it says servant. Did anybody here have a New Living Translation or an NIV? What does yours say? Slaves. Slaves. Okay, now we're, there's a whole different can of worms we're opening up here, right? Matter of fact, does anybody have a New Living? Was yours New Living? It was in Ivy. Anybody have a New Living Translation? All right, it's a good Bible, by the way. I'll I'll read this <laughs> a version from here. The the New Living Translation, verse twenty two, reads this way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. So before we go any further, we need to at least briefly address the question. I don't want to get completely sidetracked because there's scripture in here that's, that's meant for us. But let's ask the question and hopefully answer it at least a little bit. Does the Bible support slavery? Is God okay with slavery? Well, let me ask you this. You, you can put that slide away. We're not quite ready for it. Sorry about that. Let me ask you, after the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. What's the one big epic event that's like the biggest thing that you can think of in the Old Testament? What? I'm afraid to ask because what, what I'm thinking is this. <laughs> the crossing of the Red Sea. It's this, this huge thing, right? Okay, so apparently I was wrong. <laughs> to me, uh, so much of it, you see, you see over and over again the Old, the Old Testament, God speaking to Israel and he says, Look, I'm the one who brought you out of, the, out of Egypt out in, through the Red Sea, right? So before the, the crossing of the Red Sea, what happened? There, you guys ever heard of a guy named Moses? Right? What was his assignment? He was sent by God to set my people free, right? God's whole thing in the Old Testament was actually against slavery, Right? Uh, specifically against the slavery for, against the Jews. But what about the New Testament? What do you guys, now you can bring up that slide. Do you guys remember 
Jesus, when we went through the, the book of Luke, he, he stood up in, in a church service, said, hey, let me look at this, that scripture. And he goes to read the scripture and he, he reads it like it's his own mission statement. And you see what it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Notice this, I put it in red, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Notice this, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And verse 19 of Luke chapter four, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And what he's talking about is Jubilee. So in his mission statement, three times, he's basically like, look, I'm here to set people free. I'm here to set people free. So I hope fairly quickly I can convince you that the Bible has, when it comes to the, the subject of slavery, God, the answer, is he okay with it? No, it's a, a resounding no. And especially the kind of slavery that existed in America. I'm pretty sure you're, you're aware, if you're, if you're a history student, that kidnapping was basically the backbone of the slave trade, right? It still is, unfortunately, in a whole different uh, circle. But kidnapping was the whole thing that made the, the United States slave trade work. Well, Exodus 21, verse 16, this is God speaking, New Living Translation. Kidnappers must be put to death, whether they are caught in possession of their victims or have already sold them as slaves. The ESV puts it this way, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of that slave, he shall be put to death. Y'all, that's how God feels about slavery. Okay, but some of you are probably thinking, okay, but then why doesn't he ever like condemn it out and out? Why, why is there, there, there no clear case? Why doesn't Paul right here say, slaves, run, escape, shoot your master? Why doesn't he say any of those things? Well, why does Paul seem to tacitly condone when he says, slaves, obey your masters? Well, a couple things. Most of you probably already know this, but the, the majority of the slaves back then, by the way, Rome had um, half of the population was, were slaves. So you either were a slave or you owned a slave. was pretty much it. Half of the population were slaves, and most of it was what they called indentured servitude, which would be guys who sold themselves into slavery because they couldn't pay their debts, or maybe they committed crimes and this was uh, in place of prison. Half of the Roman Empire were servants for the other half. But here's the other thing, that slavery... Was, was long established, way before uh, Rome, the Rome existed, way before Judaism existed. Slavery was this uh, just continual thing that was always part of life. It was completely ingrained in the culture for hundreds of years prior to Judaism even existing. In fact, Christianity was radical when it came to slavery not, you can bring up the, that slide. Um, these are the, the places in, that talks about slaves and, free, and slave or free. First Corinthians twelve thirteen. Um, whether sl- slaves are free, all have been made to drink into one spirit. Galatians chapter three verse twenty eight. There is neither slave nor free, for you are all one in Christ. Colossians chapter three verse eleven. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Do you see that? The, 
the Christian concept is basically, look, in heaven, none of this exists, right? So again, you're probably still asking the question, well, why not, why not just completely try to, to kill it off? Well, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to uh, share this example because that's a little fuzzy, but hopefully. How many of you want, uh, listen to sports radio? Okay, so just a few. <laughs> uh, have you been listening to, to Mike Greenberg talk about the NFL draft? Or not the NFL draft, but the, the collective bargaining thing? He basically goes on and on saying, look, the owners, they're jerks. And they, but they have all of the, they have all of the money. They have, there's no way to beat them. So he says, the best advice to the players, which in this case are slaves, but millionaires. <laughs> best advice is to look, just do your job and don't worry about it. Basically, it, it's a crazy removed scenario, but it's the same thing that Paul is saying here is, look, I wish it was different, but it's not. It's one of the things that I actually love about the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell us, well, if things were like this, then things would be better. The Bible says, this is the way it is in a broken world. And here's how you can still bloom and blossom in it. Does that make sense? All right. So hopefully we've covered that enough. We're going to spend the rest of our time now looking at the workplace wardrobe. Look at verse 22. (coughs) Excuse me. Bond servants or employees. Obey in all things your bosses according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So just like, hey, John, help me out. So just like Paul turned to John White, just like Paul turned to the wives and said, hey, if you wear, if you wear submission, <laughs> just, just like he said to the husbands, look, if you'll put on sacrificial love, <laughs> Just like he said, if you kids will put on obedience. And just like he said, if you dads, you parents, will put on encouragement. (laughs) Then he now says to the employees, hey, I've got a way to. (laughs) And it's this. Ready? Work hard. Y'all, your witness, work is your witness. Think about how much time you spend, the average person, what, 40 hours a week? It's like your your biggest time-consuming ministry. And the first thing that, that Paul wants to make sure that we understand is, as employees, work is your witness. Sometimes we have this question, does God want me to to share at my workplace? Well, yes, if it it comes up, but he doesn't want you to share instead of working, right? The, the, The best way to witness to the people at your workplace is to do your job and to do it really well. Oh, um, Andrew, can you help me out here? Here's our our interactive little moment here. What are some ways, and he actually kind of already touched on it, but let's see if if there's any other ideas that have come up. What are some ways that people blow their Christian witness at work? And you can repeat some if you need to. Wasting your time. 
Wasting time. What was that? She said getting angry. Getting angry. Ooh, that's good. I was like talking bad about other employees. Talking bad about other employees. Complaining about your job. Anyone else? Low standard work. A low standard work. Sloppy uh, work, yeah. He said low standard work, and I have something to say. That I, I venture to say that if somebody goes to work and they do their job to the best of their ability, that that can actually outweigh what you say. Totally. Totally. Yeah, he just took my next five minutes of sermon. <laughs> <laughs> If someone does their job and does it well, guess what? That, that totally outweighs what you say, particularly if, if um, or, or, or the flip side, and we're going to talk about that too. That's 10 minutes of a sermon. If you, if you do it backwards, right, all, you talk about Jesus a lot and you do a terrible job, that's not a good thing. And any other comments before we... Okay, so those are some, some examples of... Ways that people blow their witness in the workplace. Do, do you want to witness? Curse their, Curse their boss. Curse their boss, yeah. Um, just completely blowing up at their bosses, yeah. Do you want to witness to people at work? Well, first, do your job. Do extremely well. Don't waste time. Be the person that doesn't need to be told twice. Be the person that shows up on time and doesn't leave early. Be the person that doesn't take home office supplies. Stay off Facebook, unless your job is social media, <laughs> right? Levi Lesko says, the, the purest expression of your love for God and his love for you is how well you do your job that is in the workplace, right? Right? The Christian quality that looks marvelous on you, that wasn't too bad, in the workplace is honest, hard, consistent work. Now, you can witness, but how about you work and then witness? You work and then people go, what is the deal with you? I mean, you're, you're just an amazing worker. Guess what? They've opened the door for you to, to share with them. It's super important to, to let your work ethic be your loudest and your first witness. Matter of fact, we, we kind of touched on it. If you're always talking about Jesus, but you're never doing your job, you're actually doing much more harm than good. Proverbs 10, verse 26 says, As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. Yeah, what is the, what's the very last thing that we say at the end of every service? You are sent, right? And you're not sent by the church, but we do want to claim you. You're sent by God. We're sent out on a hundred different mission trips, week-long mission trips, right? Well, if you're a lazy person, then you're like, well, if, if you're trying to witness to your boss and you're a lazy person, you're literally blowing smoke in his eyes. He's like, I don't even want to hear it. I'd, don't tell me about your church. Don't tell me any of that stuff because I see how you work. Levi, let's go. I'm stealing a lot of his stuff apparently today. He also said that 
he was, he was a waiter at Chili's, and uh, the, the boss was a really grumpy guy. And a friend of his had asked, a friend of Levi's had asked if he would um, put in a good word for him with the boss. He's like, okay. And he does, and the, the boss is like, is he a Christian? <laughs> He's like, um, yes. And the guy's like, all right, then I'll definitely give him a shot because if he works like you, then it'll be fine. That's how it should be, that we work so hard and so well that we actually give Christianity a good name. Employees, first remember this. Work is your witness. Number two, notice how it spells work? See how clever? Oversight should be optional. When it comes to you and your work ethic, Oversight over you should be optional. Do we have our little video? We have something that can easily make this point. He's talking about eye service, right? He says, don't, let, don't require eye service when you work. Here we go. Maybe. It makes an awesome commercial, but in real life, that's not good, right? Verse 22, employees, obey in all things your bosses, not with eye service, as men pleasers, not just when they're looking, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Again, you you know what eye service is, right? It's only working when the boss is looking. Um, If... If the boss is your coach, let's say you're an NFL player and you're one of those slaves that makes a million dollars. The boss is your coach, right? This is a jumping jack when your boss is a coach, right? And, and when, he, when he's going by, but then when he leaves. <laughs> right? Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but in sincerity, in truthfulness, in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Paul says that that old rag that you used to wear, doing the the bare minimum that you can do and still keep your job, making a two-hour assignment last all day, needing to be supervised to accomplish anything, here's what you should be wearing instead. Jesus, hard work all the time. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity, of heart, fearing God, and whatever you do, do it heartily. The New English translation says, with enthusiasm, cheerfully, with some energy. What? So now I have to do my job and I have to be nice and be cheerful? Well, I guess so. So remember, work is your witness. Oversight should be optional. And I put this in when it comes to enthusiasm. Oomph is odd. Be odd for God. You see what, it, now that's two O's though. So if you want to really take, take it from work to work, <laughs> add some enthusiasm, some, some actually like, okay, I'm here and I'm actually going to enjoy this job and I'm going to help the people around me enjoy this job as well.
All right, verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Here's your next thing to remember, employees. Your real boss is Jesus. Y'all, this is actually the key concept. This is, if you had to get rid of all the rest of the stuff, this is the key thing. Because some of you are probably thinking, yeah, I, you know what? I would love to work hard and stuff, but my boss is just a jerk. Well, if your boss is Jesus, he's definitely not a jerk. The question is, are you seeing things the way Jesus wants you to see them, which is that he is your real boss? If your real boss is Jesus, then your human boss could be a, a huge jerk, but, but it doesn't matter because your real boss is Jesus. Actually, Paul's been hinting at this throughout our text already. Let's back up. Look at verse 22. Verse 22, bond servants, notice this, obey in all things your masters, what? According to the flesh. Why would he put, put that in there if he's not saying as opposed to something else? He's saying, look, you need to obey your, your human bosses, but he's getting at something else, not with eye service. Notice this, as men pleasers. In other words, you're not there to, to please the, the boss, the, the man, but in sincerity of heart, fearing who? Fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. You see, it's like over and over again. Paul is saying, look, your job is about way more than you taking in a, a paycheck. It's really, really important that you understand that when you go into work, you're serving Jesus. You're not serving that jerk. The Bible says that, that you are not your own. If you're a Christian, that is. I hope everyone here is, but I don't know. If you have a relationship, if you've surrendered to Jesus, the Bible says that you are bought with a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Matter of fact, if you were paying attention, you sang it this morning, right? I was bought with blood and I confess I belong to you. Probably sang it better than that, but you, you've already out of your own lips today confessed that you were bought with a price. You remember when he wiped away every sin of yours? Remember when he silenced your accuser forever? While you were still clothed in your own filthy rags, your, your own unrighteousness, the Bible says Christ died for us. Remember, it wasn't that many weeks ago. I know I, I preached slow, but it wasn't that many weeks ago when we were looking at the cross and saying, he's taken your sins. He's taken those things that were against you, the accusations that were true. He's taken them and he's obliterated them, having nailed them to the cross, right? He's had taken all of the stuff that was against you out of evidence, making a public spectacle of your enemy. Making, you remember, making our enemies accusations toothless. He, he can't say anything against you because of what Jesus has already done. When that happened, when you surrender to Jesus, when you let him pay your debt, he's now your real boss. 
So Paul says, do everything hardly as to the Lord and not to mere men. Now some of you may be thinking, yeah, but, but here's the deal. I do what I'm asked. If I'm honest, I do what I'm asked and I really don't do any more. But guess what? I'm still the best employee they have. Right? It's, I mean, I finish my assignment in half the time and then I kick back the rest of the time. Is that how you do it for Jesus? And then some of you are starting to do the math and go, but wait, wait, wait. If you're serious, if I actually do this, I do what's assigned to me, and then when I get done, I go back and ask for more. I'm going to end up doing twice the work of Joe Schmo here who gets paid the same. Why would I do that? Verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. Interesting, I just learned this tidbit this week. It's the only time you'll see the Lord Christ, those two words crammed together without the, the word Jesus in the middle. And some think it's, it's for Paul trying to make the emphasis that he's your boss. See, what, what you need to realize, this is the, the K in, in the word work, is that the king gives you your reward. I think there's this. There we go. The reason that you would actually do more work than the next guy and still only get paid the same is because your boss is a king. And correct me if I'm wrong, kings are pretty rich, right? <laughs> pretty wealthy. How many resources does a king have? Okay, now, how many resources would the king of kings have? Way, way more, right? Y'all, when it's all said and done, that king, the king of kings, has promised to sign your check. Now, I don't know what that looks like, it, but I know that he has unlimited ways to reward you. Right now, we don't really think of it this way, but the best ones, of course, are the ones that we don't get until eternity because they last forever. Anything you get now only lasts until you're dead, right? But, but I have seen my king reward folks here in this life who serve him at work, this side of heaven as well. See, worldly bosses, they have a name for people who finish their work and then come back and say, hey, is there anything else you need me to do? They call them self-starters. Are self-starters valuable in the workplace? <laughs> yeah, right? If you need to be supervised the whole time, guess what? Then they have to hire somebody to watch you, <laughs> to watch you do your job, right? A self-starter is hugely valuable in the workplace. Eternal rewards are, are, are guaranteed, seems to me right here, but there's also rewards that I think are pretty standard here in this world that your king is in charge of. There's other names for that, self, that person that's a self-starter. Employee of the year, manager, supervisor, CEO. Your king has myriads of ways of making sure that you get your reward. But then there's a flip side too, verse 25. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no 
partiality. Now, on Tuesday, we, we kind of looked at this, and I'm not sure if I, if I have it all gathered up super well here, but one thing we know as Christians, we just talked about it, our sins, past, present, future, are erased, right? They're, they're wiped away. So I don't think that Paul is saying, look, you're going you're gonna to pay um, if, you, if, you do a bad, if you do a bad job. But I do think that this, this much we know in the scriptures, it says that the Corinthians, in, in Corinthians, Paul talked about these the Christians who would basically slide into heaven by the seat of their pants. Their pants are ac- actually on fire, <laughs> right? That their reward, all their rewards are um, wood, stay in, wood, hay, and stubble, right? Just burned up. So we know that there are rewards that you can basically disqualify yourself for. We know that for sure. But here's what I kind of wonder. Sorry, I don't have a definitive for sure on this. Here's kind of what I wonder if Paul's really talking about. He might be talking here about earthly consequences for a poor work ethic. Because the word partiality there means favoritism, right? I think he's talking to the slave, that is the employee, that thinks, well, I'm a Christian, my boss is a Christian, so if I'm late, couple dozen times to work a year, it's probably, it's going to be all right because he'll forgive me. Listen, if your boss is a Christian, he will forgive you after he's fired you, right? Paul says, look, as a Christ follower, you're not exempt from the rules of the workplace. No, and as a matter of fact, you're supposed to be the, the great example to your non-believing co-workers. All right, well, that leads us up to chapter four, verse one. So it's kind of like, hey, John White, get ready. It's kind of like the Paul sends the employee out of his office and the employer's there in the lobby and he hears this on the way out. (laughs) And he brings in the employer. Colossians chapter four, verse one. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair knowing that you also have a master in heaven. John, one more time. So he turns to the master and he says, you know what would make you? (laughs) Is this. Be just and fair. And keep in mind that you have a a master in heaven. So you can see for work, we, we made the acronym work. So I know that small business employees and stuff, I... Preachers are supposed to try to speak the language of the people they're talking to. So here's your acronym, you employers. Cash. (laughs) Here's your first one, chapter four, verse one. The C stands for this. Compensation, employers, is your witness. Compensation is your witness. Notice he says, employers, verse one, give your employees what is just and fair. Now that's really interesting. He didn't say, give your employees what the market will bear. He didn't say, give your employees whatever you can give them and still get the job done. He actually says, give your employees what is just and fair. 
We, we, I actually had a friend, a, a person that I went to church with, who tried to convince me that, um, and, and I don't follow it well enough, so I, I might be butchering this, but I, I definitely remember the, the, the gist of it. Tried to convince me that, um, I believe it's Ayn Rand, um, was correct, and, and um, that, and I believe that this person isn't a Christian, uh, meaning Ayn Rand, right? I think that's right. Um, but, but that the concept was, was correct, and that's this, that greed is good. Now, what they probably mean, meant was that greed helps the United States market run, right? And, and that capitalism has figured out a way to leverage that for success. But there's no way you can say just plainly greed is good. Bosses, employers, compensation is your witness. Are you willing to give your employees what is just and fair, not just what they'll take, not what they're forced to take? But the word just there is diakos. I'm not saying it well, but listen, it means righteous, virtuous, observing divine laws. Divine laws, not merely American laws, divine laws. You read the Old Testament and you definitely see that God has a heart for the poor. Now, I'm not saying that you, you're required to give them more than what is just and fair. But I can definitely say if it was me, if I was an employer, I'd be looking at that going, I want to do what seems to reflect God's heart. Which leads us, um, so the first one is, is compensation is your witness. Leads us to the second A, which is Boss man, you too will answer to Jesus. That's what it says in verse 1. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Paul says, you know what would look marvelous on you? If you always keep in mind, bosses, that you also have a boss. He's the king of kings who is looking out for the least of these. He's the one who's very protective of his little ones, especially those who are taken advantage of. Christ follows who are also in a position of authority. Never forget that you answer to the king of kings. But you say, but we're done with verse one, and that's not cash, that's just cash. <laughs> I got two more, these are like bonus, okay? Go fairly quickly, I think. Second one, or the third one, actually, I think it was Molly said in our tilling, servant leadership. If you're, if you're a boss, if you're someone in authority over someone else in the workplace, this is a really important concept. Matthew 20, you can turn there or I can just read it to you. You guys remember James and John? They tried to do an end run to get the top two, top uh, second and third spots in the kingdom. And they asked their mom to go to bat for them. <laughs> and the other guys were super mad. And Jesus says, okay, huddle up, guys. And he says this in Matthew 20, verse 25. Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. 
my followers. That's not how my followers are supposed to rule. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And of course, with, with Jesus, those aren't just words. He backed them up, right? John chapter 13, the night before he's betrayed. So when Jesus had washed their feet, he took his garments and sat down again, and he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for I am. He's like, don't misunderstand. I, I understand the authority structure here. But if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, and you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Now, we are all disciples of Christ. The servant leadership is super important, and if God has entrusted you in a spot of authority, that kind of needs to be in your mind all the time. Finally, for the employers, here's another thing to remember. Remember how heaven sees it. Heaven's view of things. And here, by the way, is how heaven sees it. We've already seen this slide, but let's bring it back. Here's how heaven sees it. Maybe. Next slide. There we go. Remember? These are the verses. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither employee nor, nor employer in God's sight. Neither slave nor free, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Neither slave nor free, neither employee nor employer, but Christ is all and in all. Employers, do you see how much this changes things? You're not in the spot that you're in because you're a better person than your employees. You're in the spot that you're in because God showed mercy on you and grace. Maybe he gave you a greater intellect, but did you create that for yourself? No. Heaven sees all of us as the same. He, he created each one of us, right? In fact, more than one commentator has pointed out that it's this very mindset, the idea that there's neither slave nor free. This, this one concept that was only found in Christianity was actually the thing that slowly, very, very, very slowly liberated slaves. Rather than Paul going directly at it and saying, run, kill your masters. No, instead, he says, look, slaves, this is the real world and this is what you gotta deal with right now. But he's also saying, there's neither slave nor free, over and over again. And finally, the concept took hold with the abolitionists, right? Many of, maybe most of whom were devout Christians. And, and slavery finally came toppling down. You see the words just and fair in this verse? You gotta remember that when, when slavery was just, it was just ingrained in us, people thought of slaves as property, right? You don't use words like just and fair with your cow. You don't give a tool that which is just and fair. You only give humans that which is just and fair. 
Does that make sense? I think that this, even though it, this gets um, maligned in the scriptures, I think that this was like a slow burn release of the, of the slaves, really. Kind of amazing. All right, so to sum up, guys, employees, what should you wear? Well, Jesus, only Jesus, right? The, the, the best way to, the, the thing that the tailor would come and say, you look marvelous, is employees, hard work. Now, can we think of any time that that would fit? In other words, I'm going to put on Jesus and it looks like hard work. Have you ever thought about this? That Jesus began his public ministry at about age 30, right? So kids back then probably started working at 12, 13, right? That's right. So he spent already almost 20 years working hard as a carpenter, right? You remember that when Jesus first stepped foot in the Jordan to be baptized before his public ministry ever started, what did God the Father say about him? Here's my son in whom I am well pleased. Do you see that Jesus had already been pleasing the Father and most of it was through hard work, hard, honest work. Okay, what about employers? What to wear? Jesus, only Jesus. That is, to be fair and just, to, to lead well and wash the feet, as it were, to be a servant leader, all with an eye to the Father in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for these that you brought this morning. I pray that it's made sense, Lord, that it's helped. Lord, I ask, as, as we've asked already this morning, ask that these words would stick with us, Lord, not mine, Lord, but yours, your concepts, Lord, that the things that you're speaking to your people, Lord, we would be changed. I ask, this is a supernatural huge ask, but I ask, Lord, that our church, the, the members of this church, would be even more well-known, Lord, for their, their work ethic and their kindness, their generosity. Lord, I thank you for that I have the privilege to know them. But I ask, Lord, that in every case, Lord, every um, scab that you've picked at this morning, Lord, we, we would respond, Lord, we would uh, press into you, Lord, we find forgiveness, but we change. I pray that supernaturally you would help each one of us to, to show up at the workplace tomorrow or wherever it is, whether it's our home, whether it's um, working for someone else, whether it's the one in, being the one in charge. I ask, Lord, that you'd help us to, to do everything that we do, Lord, for your glory, Lord, to be well-pleasing in your sight. We love you, Lord, and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so...